0: Have you ever noticed how many ordinary people that God uses in ministry? They stop to think about it. Our world, we place great value on the beautiful, the talented, the gifted, the successful. To some degree, the geeky people—you know—they can they think deeper than we do, figure stuff out. We just put a, a high value on those things, and the rest of us, we feel left out a lot, don't we? Now, now, I know that's true, number one, because I've experienced those feelings myself. But according to doctors and psychologists, they say that in our nation, in our culture, we're experiencing what they call an epidemic or crisis of self-doubt. Because of the exposure of media and everything, the super uh, talented, the super beautiful, the super successful are lifted up, and we just give them high praise And then what we're told is that we can be like them. Well, I'm telling you what, if you're only five foot six inches tall, you cannot play basketball like Michael Jordan does. It's not going to happen. And and some of us, I mean, we do the best we can, right? You go and wash your face, comb your hair, brush your teeth, and you still, you know, look normal. Ordinary. Nothing striking about you. Nobody's going to watch that. Wow, look at that person. We're ordinary people, by and large, for the most part. And yet, God uses people just like us every day. Sing in a choir, stand in a pulpit, care for a baby in the nursery. All these different ways that we have to serve God, and God uses people like us. Now, there's a lot of times when I realize because of the feelings of inadequacy and inferiority that we can have out in the world that it's easy to bring those same feelings into church. And you can look and you can see people doing all these things and you think, wow, there's no way I'd ever be able to do anything like that. Why? Well, because people like me, we just don't get to do stuff like that. So I have a question for you this morning. What kind of people does God use? I mean, when Jesus came and began his public ministry, he made it very clear early on he did not plan to do that ministry alone. He could have. Jesus, omnipotence, perfect knowledge. Jesus could have done everything that needed to be done all by himself. Is that not telling it right? And yet he gathered men with him and prepared them and then sent them out in the world to do ministry in his absence. What kind of people does God use? Or, if we made a little bit more personal, what does it take for God to use me? That's the question I want you to ask this morning. What would it take for God to find a place for me in his work, a place that I could serve him? Just what would I have to do? What would I have to become to be used By God. Luke chapter number 5. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read down through verse number 11. And if you're able to this morning. Don't mind. Would you stand again one more time. This time out of respect for the reading of the Bible. I love the word of God. And it is the word of God isn't it. Verse number 1. I'll read aloud and ask you to follow along. As I read. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him. To hear the word of God A draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. You say, Why are you pausing? Because I think he did. <laughs> we spent a whole night fishing. If you go looking in the boat, nothing. All right, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net and when they had this uh, and when they had this done they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break and they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them and they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink when Simon Peter saw it he fell down at Jesus' knees saying depart from me For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. What does it take for God to use me? What would it take for God to use you in his work? Father, I pray this morning as we gather our attention now around your word, and we, we, we tune in our spiritual hearing to your voice. Lord, that each of us would take just a moment to prepare our hearts afresh to listen, to let you speak. Lord, to to let you speak deeply into our hearts. And Lord, maybe touch us in some places that make us a little uncomfortable because I think most of us know what it is to feel inadequate, inferior, insufficient, unusable. And I just want, Lord, you to speak to us there and you change the thinking that can change. Father, I do ask this morning that you would empty me myself and fill me with your spirit so that your word can go out in a demonstration of your spirit, your power, for your glory and for the good of this, your people. And that one more time, you'll do a great work among us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, contrary to what you may have heard, this story is not about a fishing trip. It's not even about a miracle catch of fishes. The story is about God's choice of a man who did not feel as if he measured up to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's about God's choice of a man who did not feel that he measured up to becoming a disciple of Jesus. And honestly, my heart goes out to Peter this morning. I can visualize him down on his knees Head in his hands, feeling like a failure that day. I mean, and just to be honest, he did fail the Lord. He didn't do what Jesus told him to do. And he didn't believe that Jesus could do what he said he would do. And the result was broken net, two boats full of fishes, uh, overflowing with capacity, sinking. And Peter realizing it's because of his disobedience. And his unbelief. I can imagine Peter at that moment. I don't believe he was being melodramatic when he called himself a sinful man. As far as Peter was concerned, anyone would have been a better candidate to be used by Jesus than he would be. And yet, Jesus chose Peter anyway. I love it. Peter felt unusable, worthless, ready to be discarded by the lord and jesus chose peter anyway let that sink in for just a minute when i was in the fifth grade my parents moved from long beach california we eventually landed in moore oklahoma i was the new kid trying to fit into a new school and make new friends among uh, uh, uh the kids in the neighborhood and, and if you had see my picture back from those days you'd say boy you're a funny looking kid you got that right you know and uh didn't have uh, the, 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 the good looks. And when it came to sports, and that seemed to be what everybody at that time was interested in, I couldn't kick, throw, or catch a football. I couldn't dribble a basketball. Uh, when it came time for the neighborhood kids to get together and play one of those games, and you know how you do, you, you pick two caps and they choose sides. Okay. My best friend's sister got chosen to play football before I did. It wasn't about who got me. It was who got stuck with Zimmerman on their team. So I understand a little bit. of their standing and, you know, inside you're going, pick me, pick me, pick me. And knowing your heart, of, heart everybody will say, don't stick me with him, don't stick me with him, don't stick me with him. That's way Peter felt. Peter felt like he had messed up, and he had. And that there was no place for God to use him as he desired to be used. And yet, Jesus chose Peter anyway. Luke's story this morning's purpose, is to show us how God takes less than perfect people, men and women who struggle sometimes with just completely trusting God, willing to step out and obey God in a way that uh, feels uncomfortable and perhaps risky. God takes people like that and uses them to touch the lives of others, to touch hearts, to reach people, to change lives as they work for Jesus Christ. And the question I want to say is how does God do that? I mean, that's where we're at here in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, We've been introduced to the ministry of Jesus. Jesus has already proven himself well capable to do what the Scriptures prophesied that he would do. And now he's choosing followers. And these are the first men that became the official disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. These men would become apostles of the Lord. And we want to ask ourselves, why did God choose them? Uh, How does God take people like us and then use us to minister to other people in spite of the different ways that our lives may not measure up as we know they should? How does God take people like us And use us to do his work. Number one, I want you to notice in verse number one, is that God prepares us for usefulness. That's the word I want to use. Uh, So our lives can be useful to Jesus. God prepares us for usefulness through the teaching of his word. If you'll back up to verse number 42 again in chapter four, just look above chapter five, verse 42. It's where we ended up last week. It was the end of a Sabbath day. And verse 42 says, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Jesus says, I was sent to preach the word of God. So verse 44, and he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. Verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. So verse 44, Jesus had been preaching. We don't know for how long in the synagogues uh, uh, in that region. And, and, and as, as he preached, the uh, people were attracted to hear him preach. And finally there came a time where Jesus didn't have to go to the synagogue to gain a congregation. I mean, wherever Jesus was, people eventually found him. And the Bible says here, they pressed upon him to hear the word of God. And so Jesus came preaching, teaching the word of God. And people came wanting to be taught. Okay, We see that, don't we? They pressed upon him, the Bible says, for this purpose, to hear the word of God. They didn't come at this occasion to see him do a miracle. They didn't come to shake the hand of a celebrity. They came to hear Jesus teach the Bible to them. And they gathered there at this place called Gennesaret to do that. Now, the other thing you need to notice is Jesus chose where he would be teaching that day. Uh, Verse number one again. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. So Jesus had gone to the lake of Gennesaret. Uh, It's a portion of the Sea of Galilee. And it was there that he knew, I believe, that Peter and James and John and Andrew would be there. They would have finished up their days fishing and they'd be cleaning their nets. Had they had a catch, they would have had a little market set up and people coming to buy fish. And that's probably one of the reasons why the people initially came. And finding Jesus there, word got out and that drew more people. And pretty soon you have enough people that they're pressing upon Jesus. And so Jesus takes the opportunity to teach them. And he realizes he could do a better job if he could take and sit in one of the boats, get out a little bit, and then use that boat like a pulpit to teach the people. Jesus chose the place where he would teach. And I believe that Jesus did that purposefully, again, because he knew that Peter would be there and the other men that were there with him. Now, the reason the focus is on Peter here is a couple of different reasons. Uh, we, we learn in the Gospel of John that Peter had initially been introduced to Jesus back right after Jesus had been baptized by John in the Jordan River, so well south of where Galilee is and Capernaum is. And so he was already acquainted, and it was at that time that when, when Jesus first met him that says, you know, your name is Simon, but it's going to be Cephas, a rock. That's what your name is going to be. So, there is a relationship here that's already been established. If we use terminology that we might be familiar with, uh, Peter had been saved for a while, and it was Jesus, okay, that was the instrument, the individual who eventually led him to faith in himself. And then last week we saw that whenever Peter came, or excuse me, Jesus came to the city of Capernaum and he taught in the synagogue, that afterwards he went home with Peter to Peter's mother in law's house had dinner with him, healed Peter's mother-in-law. So there's a relationship here. Uh, In other words, Jesus knows who Peter is. Time out. And don't you think that Peter knew exactly what Peter was? Do you think there was anything that happened in this that was just like a total shock to Jesus? I mean, when Jesus says, let down the nets, and Peter says, okay, I'll let down a net. I just, I, I, I am convinced that inside Jesus shook his head. I knew that's where we were going. He chose this spot on purpose because his intent was not just to teach the crowd of people that would come, but he had something to teach to Peter. Uh, the choice of the boat solidifies that for me. It's no uh, accident is that he chose Peter's boat. Because he knew that Peter would be on that boat and Peter would be in close proximity. Everything that Jesus would say to the congregation that day, to the crowd gathered on the hillside around the lake of Gennesaret, Peter would hear. Peter would have the time to think about and reflect upon as this relationship moved on. Jesus taught and Peter had a front row seat. And don't miss it, Peter had a choice about that. Because the Bible says that Jesus prayed him. It wasn't a demand. It was a request. Peter, could we use your boat today? Uh, Could could we get out in your boat? And Peter, after working a a whole night of fishing, uh, after just uh, finishing up work, probably already in his mind thinking of his lazy boy, maybe his bed. And yet when Jesus asked to use his boat, Peter said yes. So Peter was there by his own choice. To hear what Jesus had to teach, and I believe that that was planned in advance by Jesus Christ. I don't think I'm stretching it. Are y'all all right with that? Okay. He was standing at the Sea of Gennesaret. Why was he there? Well, Peter, James, and John were there. And he specifically had something he wanted to teach Peter that day. He used the Word of God to do it. God prepares people for usefulness through the teaching of His Word it says we come together and we let god speak to our hearts. we let the word of god change the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about god and the way we think about life that god prepares us to be put in a place where we can be used of him to be a blessing and a help and an encouragement to other people so how does god use a person like me number one god will begin to prepare you for usefulness through the teaching of his word notice secondly God also prepares us for usefulness through testing our faith. God prepares us for usefulness by testing our faith. Verse number four says, now, when he had left speaking, he was finished teaching for that moment. He said unto Simon, well, I guess I should back up here. He's finished teaching audibly to the crowds. It's fixing to get very up close and personal with him and Peter in just a moment. But when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Now, you ought to circle that word nets in your Bible. And if your Bible doesn't say nets, you ought to get one that does. Let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. That sounds like most of my fishing trips. All night on the lake, drowning worms and minnows and coming home and having to look my family in the face and say, what'd you catch? Nothing. No bites, mosquito bites. We have toiled all night and we caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. This command that Jesus gave was definitely a test of Peter's faith. Because, again, look at verse 5, excuse me, verse 4. The command is launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And here's the, the promise that you've made or the prospect that's held out for a draft of fishes, for a great catch of fish. So the command is a test From anyone else, this command would probably seem unreasonable. Why? Well, number one, they had toiled all night. These men were worn out from a night of fishing. In, In Texas, we'd say, they're bone tired. They're ready to call it a day. Secondly, they had caught nothing. They're skilled fishermen. They have given it their best all night long, and they have nothing to show for it. It's the reason why they finally brought their boats in and began cleaning their nets because they knew any further effort at fishing would be vain. So so here's a request that from anybody else, a command from anybody else, would have seemed absolutely unreasonable. And then you stop and think about this. They've washed their nets. They've put them away. They're done. And Jesus says, you're not done. Launch out in the deep and let down your nets. For draft of fishes it's a command that tested peter's faith i think the only reason peter considered it is that it came from jesus Uh, and even then you notice here that peter argues with jesus he tries to make his case that he shouldn't have to do this and again you read it he says master we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing Peter offered the excuses that readily came to mind. Look up here. I want to make sure you catch this. Peter offered the excuses that readily came to mind. Why Jesus should consider changing his mind about this further fishing expedition. Jesus invites us to trust him in the same way that he invited Peter to trust him. And how many of us have found ourselves offering excuses to jesus why we can't okay maybe you never have but i know a lot of people who have jesus invites us to trust him oh no i know the circumstances don't look ideal in fact you wouldn't expect me fishing there at this time of day at all in fact you wouldn't be be expecting to be fish here in this lake at this time of day ever but at my word i want you to go out let down the nets because I can fill the nets with fishes. He's inviting Peter to trust him and Peter offers excuses of why he cannot. I believe that we frequently do the same thing. We, we, we offer him some of the same excuses. Lord, I'm so tired. I mean, it's been such a busy day. It's been such a busy week. I know I said I would, but I just can't, Lord. I don't have the time. Oh, it's so much trouble, Lord. The kids, I mean, just the excuses, they just come to mind. All the reasons why we feel like we cannot trust Jesus to do what he tells us to do and expect him to do what he promised to do. Peter complies somewhat. He says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Jesus commanded him to let down nets. When Peter realized that Jesus was not going to accept his excuses, he consented to letting down a net. Peter gave an appearance of obedience. But it was half-hearted at best, wasn't it? Lord, I'm not going (laughs) to... Lord, I'll just do as much as I feel like I really can at this moment. It had the appearance of obedience, but it was half-hearted at best. Peter went through the motions of obedience. But do you think Peter really expected to pull up a net full of fish? Okay, Lord. Because you said so. We're going to let down that. Get it. go, Just do it, guys. Just do it. What he expected was drop it in. Pull it out. Do we want to do it again, Jesus? Okay. Pull it out. Half-heart obedience with no expectation of anything. So how do you know that? Because when Peter saw breaking nets and fish falling out and boats sinking, he was astonished. He was blown away. He would have said, I never expected that. is a test of Peter's faith. What Jesus asked him to do seemed unreasonable. In his mind, he couldn't justify doing what Jesus wanted to do. So instead, he just did his, a little bit, just to soothe his own conscience and maybe convince uh, uh, Jesus that he'd met him halfway. Can I say this this morning? God doesn't want you to meet him halfway? God wants you to give him full obedience, absolute trust. Peter gave the appearance of obedience, but he really didn't expect anything. What I find so amazing is that God gave him what he promised, even though Jesus didn't do what Jesus, even though Peter didn't do what Jesus said. Did you catch that? I'll let down a net. And Jesus sent all the fish in the net. That he probably would have sent to fill the nets. If, if Peter had obeyed the Lord. Okay, same result. It just wouldn't have created the confusion. And the, and the, the peril that it did. No break, breaking nets. No sinking ships. If he would just done what Jesus said. It would have worked out alright. He didn't. But Jesus did what he promised to do anyway. That is what the Bible calls. The grace of God. Not giving us what we deserve but what we don't deserve. The Bible tells us that they called uh, James and John to come and bring their boat. And you have all those men, they're fighting with the nets, trying their best not to lose any of the catch, filling up the boats, and then realizing they filled them so f- full that the boats are about uh, threatened to come awash with water. And if that happens, they're going to begin to sink. And so they're making their way to shore. And you can imagine just how gingerly they did that. As they're just trying not to do anything to rock the boat, anything that upsets anything. They just got to make it to shore. And I'm convinced that that entire time while the crews handle the boat and the, the, the boat is making its way to shore. That Peter, sitting in that boat, head in his hand, knowing this is all my If I just let down nets, like he said, it wouldn't have turned out like this. He had enough time to think about how he disobeyed God. Enough time to think about how he didn't really believe what Jesus said. And the result was disaster. Near disaster. And it was his fault. The confession that Peter gave reveals Peter's sense of failure. In verse number uh, four, uh, eight verse number eight, it says, "When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, "Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." Peter experienced an absolute sense of unworthiness. I'm a sinful man." And, and he knew how he'd sinned. Jesus had said, let down nets, he'd let down a net, he had disobeyed the Lord. Jesus had promised a draft of fishes, and Peter hadn't believed him. In his pride, Peter honestly thought that he knew more about fishing than Jesus did. After all, it had been his life's work. Jesus had grown up in a carpenter shop, that had nothing to do with fishing, He's out teaching and preaching the word of God. That had nothing to do with fishing. Peter, it was his life's work. He knew better than Jesus did than what it took about what it took to catch fish. Peter expresses a sense of just absolute failure. There's the sinfulness of his doubt, his reluctance, his pride, his half hearted obedience. I believe that every inch, as those boats moved towards the shore, those things just weighed on his heart like an anchor. Peter knew he'd messed up. And in his mind, he had no hope that he could ever measure up to what it took to be a follower of Jesus. The confession reveals his sense of worthlessness. I think it also reveals how greatly Peter wanted Jesus to be able to use him. I get that because of the last two words of his statement. He says, I am a sinful man, O Lord. If we go back up to verse number five, where Peter's offering excuses, he uses the word master. Master, we've toiled all the night. Master is a term of respect. It's like you and I saying, sir. It's like a a subordinate speaking to an officer and use that term, sir. It's just a term of respect. In verse 8, he uses the term, Lord. That was a word that's used of God. It's a term of reverence. Peter realized on that boat that Jesus was the Lord of fishes, and he was the Lord of fishermen, And he ought to have been Peter's Lord. When he spoke, there should have been no excuse. There should have been no question. There should have been no doubt. When he promised, he should have stood out on absolute trust. The Lord had spoken. The creator of the creatures had promised to fill nets with fish. He's the Lord of fish and the Lord of fishermen. But he hadn't yet been the Lord of one particular fisherman. Jesus. I think you get another hint here of how greatly he wanted to be used by Jesus by what he asked Jesus to do. Again, verse number eight, he says to Jesus, Depart from me. Depart from me. Now, time out. Wouldn't it have made sense? I mean, if if Peter was done with Jesus and Jesus was done with Peter. Wouldn't it have just made more sense to Peter to get up out of the boat and go home? Throw in the towel. I'm done. In my mind, why is Peter saying, Lord, you just ought to go? Just, Just go. You can't use someone like me. Even though I desperately hope you might. I think I think Peter's greatest fear at that moment is that Jesus might shake his head and say, "You're right. I can't use someone like you." So long. Now we've probably been in workplaces where we've got that message. Here's your pink slip. We get that email. You applied for the job. We just want you to know we don't think you're a good fit for our team. (laughs) Peter's thinking. I had my opportunity, and I blew it. Jesus can never use me. His fear was that Jesus would do just what he asked, leave him. That's why I believe that Jesus, his first words were, fear not. (laughs) Peter, look, I knew what I was getting into before we started this. I'm not done with you. I'm not leaving you. I'm not giving up on you. In my mind, I picture Jesus stretching out his hand and putting it on Peter's shoulder or maybe extending that finger and putting it right in his chest and saying, Peter, henceforth thou shall catch men. You. No, no, Peter, look. I know what I'm doing here, and I choose you. He didn't feel like he could be used And Jesus said he could. He could. Peter failed the test of faith. But what God wants us to learn this morning is he did not fail the test of grace. God was willing to take Peter as he was and make Peter into what he could become. And that's why Jesus says, no, Peter, we're not done yet. Before this is all over, you will catch men. Brings us to the third truth. Number one, God prepares us for usefulness through teaching. We come like this, we hear the word of God, and every part of it prepares us to be useful for God. And then God tests our faith. He puts us in situations where oftentimes we blow it. That's how we learn the lesson that we're supposed to get. We know what he asked, and we didn't do it. We, we may be half-hearted. God, I know what you expect, but I just can only, and we make those excuses, and we do what little we think is, we'll get by with, and we fail the tests of faith. But we don't fail the test of grace. God picks us up where we're at and tells us he's not done yet, and then thirdly, God prepares us for usefulness by changing our lives, changing our lives. Jesus assures Peter that his purpose for him is not changed. He's going to use him to be a fisher of men. He has a place for him, if I can use the terminology, on his team. He hasn't messed up so badly that he's going to be cast off, disqualified. No, there's a place for Peter in the service of Jesus Christ. As surely as Jesus could enable uh, uh, Peter to, to bring in a great catch of fish with a broken net. He could take a, 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 a man who had a lot, of, a, 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 a lot of weaknesses and failures in his future and use him to, to, to reach a great many people for Jesus. God takes unlikely people and impossible circumstances and accomplishes unbelievable works in their lives. And it's when we allow God to do that, then, we've, then we realize just how great the grace of God is and its ability to work in our lives. But I do want you to notice as we wrap up this morning that usefulness to Christ does require us to make a decision. Jesus announced, my plans haven't changed. I still want you to be my follower. I will teach you how to catch men. Verse 11, and when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Forsook all. That's a higher level of faith than they had exercised earlier in that boat. Okay. ready to leave everything and trust all of it to Jesus. Following Him, foremost, a matter of obedience. Okay. They had committing themselves to go wherever Jesus took them, to endure whatever He put them through, to let Jesus from that point forward determine where the steps of their life would take them. They forsook all and followed Him. Their faith grew. Their obedience was adjusted. And God began the work anew to change their lives so that they could be used in greater ways. There was no if in their surrender. They forsook all. They followed him. There was no if. Jesus, I obey you, if. Now, probably all of us have said, well, Lord, I'll serve you like that if. Lord, I, I would do that if. Whatever is in the blank after that word if, that is the Lord that's interfering with the Lordship of Jesus in your life. Lord, I, I would do that for you if. Okay, if I could get a better job. Okay, if I could be in different circumstances. If I made more money. Lord, I would do that for you if. And what you're saying is, Lord, you're not really Lord. This is. If you'll change this, then I will do what you want me to do. Do you realize that God will not allow us to serve on those terms? You can't call him Lord and then put conditions on his lordship. Whatever we fill in the blank after if is our real master. It decides when, how far, and to what degree we'll follow Jesus. Our usefulness to Christ does not depend upon our abilities It doesn't, uh, it's not even limited by our inabilities, but it does depend on how fully and freely we will obey and believe Jesus. Can I invite you this morning to stand with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment? Every head bowed and every eye closed.